Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's DC. N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Marcus, news editor for DCNews.com, and you are listening to episode 21 of this podcast. And on this episode, we're going to be diving into a bunch of DC uh, movie news, t- a lot of TV news, some comic news, and just a couple of other stories that are, are you know, that have come up during this past week. And I say we because I am joined this week by two of my favorite people to do a podcast with. And let me start off by introducing the host of our other podcast here at DC Comics News, Spinner Rack, and the DCN reviewer, the Seth Singleton, or as also known as Solid Seth Singleton. Say hello, Seth. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. How can I not smile with an introduction like that? Thank you, Joe. Always happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here. And also, I, um, we have another gentleman here who pretty much does everything he does. He works on this podcast. He reviews for DC Comics News. He does news reporting for DC Comics News. DC Comics News. And I think, I'm not sure, but he might be a black belt in judo. Not sure. He'll have to tell us. Brad Filicky. Say hello, Brad. Hey, everyone. And no, unfortunately, I'm not a black belt. <laughs> mm, okay, so we'll check that box. But I mean, you might be just keeping it as a secret. You know, you don't want to put it I'll out there. You, I'll let you know. <laughs> That's his other identity. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, you know, like I said, we're going to be talking a lot about movie news. There's a lot of TV news to get there to get to this week. And so we just want to thank, first of all, let me thank the, uh, you know, we want to thank the listeners who are, are joining us. Um, we really appreciate your support um, wherever you're listening to us. We always appreciate you guys just spending some time with us and getting to know us and listening to us. And if you can, you know, whatever service you use, if you have the opportunity to give us a review or some feedback, please, we welcome any sort of feedback, reviews, constructive criticism, whatever. Just we really appreciate hearing from you guys. So with that, we want to thank you again. And gentlemen, let's get right to it. Let's start off with some movie news. And the big uh, movie news this week is the the production has officially wrapped on the Birds of Prey movie. Uh, there is a Instagram post from, I guess it's Margot Robbie, who plays Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey. Her production company called Lucky Chap uh, posted a picture on IG in which the actress, we presume it's the actress because she's wearing the Harley costume, is sitting in a director style chair and it has the official Birds of Prey logo on the back. And for those of you that uh, don't know, um, this movie is scheduled to come out, I believe it's February 7th of next year. 
And there's already been a couple of teaser things uh, here, in, uh, you know, kind of teaser trailers here and there. So, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, Seth, let's start with you. What did you think about this image? And just are you excited for Birds of Prey? And, you know, what do you think about everything that's going on right now? Well, one, excited to hear that production is wrapped. That means generally that they're on their, their schedule. I mean, with the release date of February 7th, 2020, They've got all the time they need for post-production, all the ass, all the facets that go with it, any reshots that they need to do, things like that. I think that's just a, a great thing to know that you have this sort of cushion of time between now and your release date. It also gives them an opportunity, if everything's lined up the way they want it, to start re- releasing more of those teasers that we're going to be looking for to start building our interest. Um, also, I love that in the photo we get to see the birds of prey logo and mm-hmm. I've heard a couple people on our staff really respond positively to it. And I know I did when I, I saw the close-up of the image, it's just got so many great little visual details all throughout, you know, the lettering, all these small little details that represent each of the characters. So that sort of attention to detail is something I appreciate right from the get go. tells me that you're looking to catch my attention all the way. And then just looking back over this story, I'm reminded of how many great people are in this. I mean, just just reading it over again, Rosie Perez is Renee Montoya. Ewan mm-hmm. McGregor as the villainous Black Mask. Like, for an over-the-top kind of thing, I w- want to see someone like Ewan McGregor, who, from Moulin Rouge to, uh, oh, goodness, the uh, Black Hawk Down. I mean, that guy has an ability to just turn it up to such a degree and still be authentic, still be delete- believable. Chris Messina as Zaz. As, I mean, we've got a huge huge selection here great cast and i'm just really excited to see everybody you know step into their roles and you know also get to see some people that i'm not as familiar with like mary elizabeth winstead or uh oh i hope i don't ruin this but journey smollett bell as black canary yeah those right okay I've been butchering some names recently, so I'm just trying to be aware of that. Uh, And I I really like, you know, what I'm seeing just as I'm looking this over and what I loved about the imagery. And those are all my initial, like, gut reactions. Like, okay, everything I'm hearing sounds great. Sounds like everything's right on time. And it sounds like, based on that, we had a really solid production. You know, this wasn't one of those things that's littered with uh, tabloid sort of uh, gossip leaks or things like that. It sounds like it was pretty straightforward and everything went the way it wanted. Um, Brad, what do you think about this, my friend? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's great that everything is on schedule because DC has, you know, it's past few years, you know, you know, thankfully, thankfully for the success of Aquaman and Wonder Woman and Shazam, but it's been a little troubled uh, on the production. So the fact that this is on schedule is great. And it's kind of fun to see Margot Robbie being so into the character. And, you know, that she was the best thing about Suicide Squad. So it's it's good to have her still aboard. Uh, you know, and there's plenty of time, like you were saying. So hopefully we won't have a lot of reshoots. And hopefully we'll get to see a trailer, some more, you know, like some more teasers, like you were saying. So, yeah, I, I can't wait. And I think that Ewan McGregor is going to make a great Black Mask. I think that was a kind of a <laughs> genius bit of casting. I'd like to see him play a villain. So, so I'm all on board. Nice, agreed. 
Right, right. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of touch a little bit on what Seth, what you were bringing up is the uh, the actual logo for the movie. I, I think it, I think it looks great. I think it's, I mean, just for those that don't know, the full title of this movie is Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Um, I, I remember when we heard about this title, I was talking to our editor-in-chief, Josh Rayner. And, you know, we brought up the fact that, you know, this is kind of interesting because it kind of, at least for me, it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, for example, like for people that are familiar with like Mariah Carey and she had an album called The Emancipation of Mimi or Lauren Hill, who had an album called The, the Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of, you know, those album titles and, you know, and I found it very interesting. It's almost like... Um, it basically tells you the story without giving away too many details. But the fact that the logo, when you look at it, like you said, there's the weapons that are kind of designed into the letters themselves. There's bow and arrow, a baseball bat, a mallet. There's even a, uh, the letter E that looks like brass knuckles. I, I think that looks really cool. But then you have this kind of this hot pink kind of graffiti scribbled onto the logo. And so you kind of see this. Uh, just just the position of you know the birds of prey and harley quinn and i, I think that i don't know that things like that little details like that really excite me i know it's not much but I, I think it really helps to establish the tone for you know for what to expect and i think it really shows the uh you know on one side you're gonna have birds of prey have you know being you know i don't know they might be all serious and all business and then you're gonna have harley quinn that just kind of comes in and just messes everything up but um I'm definitely excited for this movie. Again, that's going to be it's scheduled for February 7th, 2020. So, yeah, we're just under one year to go. Ten months, if you can believe it. That's 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 pretty crazy. So, um, but yeah, so moving on uh, to our next story. Um, and uh, all right, here we go, folks. We're <laughs> we're going back into the uh, uh, the Snyder saga with regards to uh, Justice League, and it was revealed. God help us. That <laughs> Here we go, folks. All right. So we have act, an actor a named uh, Nick McKinless. And he was, uh, I guess he was playing a young version of Ares. And in the movie Justice League, uh, this would have been the Snyder version. He was hired to play Ares. And he, I guess it says they shot a scene in which he fights Darkseid. Um, so... That kind of got a lot of, and he was uncredited. He didn't get a lot of, uh, you know, he didn't get credit for being in Justice League because, you know, Ares wasn't in that movie. Um, So, yeah, guys, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. And, oh, just before before I I go to Brad, I also did want to mention real quick, I don't know if you guys saw the story of, uh, I guess it was teased that actor Roy Porter was scheduled to uh, portray Darkseid in Justice League, or it would have been him if Snyder would have gotten his way again, it's, this is all ongoing. This is all a lot of things that have come out after the fact in the last couple of weeks with Snyder. So I kind of wanted to get, let me start off with you, Brad. What do you think about this, um, about this news? And what do you think about the possibility of an Ares dark side fight that we missed out on? Well, I think that fight could have been amazing and it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that, um, that they filmed something with dark side. Because it seemed like they were setting up Darkseid to kind of be a big bad over like a series of arcs of films. 
because uh, I was kind of surprised at first that they that they didn't make him the villain in Justice League. It seemed like an obvious choice, but I think they were kind of setting him up like in the background and to have this big reveal a few films down the line. But then Justice League wasn't quite as well received. And I, I still like Justice League, despite what some people think about it. But um, I, I think an Ares dark side fight would have been pretty cool. Um, although I think that, however, you know, in a movie, just like a small scene wouldn't have been enough. You would have wanted to have seen more dark side. So maybe it was smart that at the end it was cut out. Yeah. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this one. You know, I, I feel that based on how this story kind of described also this concept of uh, of uh, Snyder planning on a five movie arc for the DCEU, then I, I get this idea of, OK, so what we would have seen was in that moment when they showed that the sort of historical moment from Justice League during that that first sort of battle, instead of Steppenwolf, it might have been Darkseid himself and mm-hmm. his generals with him, Steppenwolf and whoever else they ended up using. And that sort of meetup between probably the most powerful of the ancient gods that we have, you know, on our Greek uh, pantheon or Earth pantheon, which would be Ares, our god of war, would be the closest that could match up with the god of death and destruction like dark side um so that makes a lot of sense because it would have really yeah like shaped sort of like what the narrative was and the majority of international viewers and national to international should have like this kind of frame of reference for like a god of war type character whether it's from god of war the video game or however else you know if they do remember seeing aries and wonder woman later however it's sort of like fit for their their heads there's enough general knowledge of that sort of deity that it would make sense to see him going up against Darkseid. So that that would have been really cool, I think. The hardest part is it would have been a mostly CGI battle. And that can be really difficult. I mean, Marvel struggled with it a little bit in Infinity War when it was Thanos versus uh, you know, Hulk in that opening scene. It was it was some nice stuff there. But after a few seconds, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, these aren't even real people. I, I know I'm supposed to just buy in, but watching two CGI characters, I can't help but recognize that. And if the technology or something about that way that scene shaped up didn't feel clean enough or authentic enough for the people that review it, then they might have been like, hey, this is a great idea. But if it's not jibing right, then then we need to let go of it. And then as the story starts developing, that they're looking like, hey, we're going to you know, chop some of this stuff and go for a more streamlined effect, losing that out. It eliminates the possibility of setting up that nice teaser, which I, I definitely feel, Brad, you were, you were pointing at, which is, okay, we'll get to see what happened back when Ares fought against Darkseid and, and he was part of this big early battle. But before we get to see that now in the present, our heroes have to work their way past his generals because he's in the back pulling strings and doing things like that. So that would have been a nice teaser because we could have expected, you know, seeing Darkseid in full force eventually. And we would have had a taste of just what his power is like against something like Ares. But without that, yeah, we've 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 lost a bit. Um, and it would have been nice if if there had been that Darkseid as the the actual villain at the end. Of, of Justice League and we could have tied in either way. It, it really just raises so many questions about what else is going to be revealed at some point. When are we going to find out 
you know, that they had a whole Green Lantern Corps, uh, that there was, you know, a Kilowog and a Kyle Rayner cast and they had a guy guard. You know, that's when I'm waiting yeah. to just be like, you know, all right, screw everybody here. We had everything done. Look, here's everybody. And then I'm just going to be so annoyed. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you could have done everything. And now you just make me feel angry. You didn't do any of it. Um, right. I would love to see what if it was Zack Snyder's vision, what he had in store. He's talked about it a little bit, but I'd like to see you know, hear him come out and talk a little bit about the whole grand scheme of what he had planned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I guess for me and I, you know, I, uh, I'm, I am one of those guys that I'm not a fan of Snyder, uh, but I want to be fair to him. And I want to say that I don't think that justice league and what was on the screen, that was his vision. That was his entire vision. I do want to cut him a break there um, in that respect. And you know, again, I'm not a, a, a I'm not a fan of Snyder, but I would have liked to have seen what, you know, he like you said, like there's been he's come out in the last couple of weeks and months talking about like, well, I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do that, and I'm like, okay, okay, you know, that's that's great and all, but um, but it's it's you know, you're you're talking about things, some things that are shot, and some things that aren't. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, well, we're just gonna have to move on because I mean, you just never shot it. So, you know, there are. Fans out there that are still holding on to the idea of a Snyder Cut. Um, I always thought that they should have released a Snyder Cut in the spring right before Aquaman came out because they had that, you know, just that year-long gap between DC movies. And I thought, well, you should have just released the Snyder Cut in the spring and, you know, just kind of given fans an opportunity to to see it there. But, you know, we never, unfortunately, uh, we never got that. But you know, when I hear all these, uh, you know, stories about, you know, what he would have liked to have done, you know, it always reminds me, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, the, uh, the the Superman cartoon from the 90s, uh, you know, the Bruce Timm, Paul Dini uh, version, mm-hmm. um, you guys, I don't know if you guys remember, but the way that Darkseid was kind of teased and, and those, uh, in those uh, episodes were, you know, you had the introduction of Orion. Um, he came in, uh, he, you know, he lands on Earth and and he's this is great flashback of, uh, you know, basically sets up the entire New God saga. I don't know if you guys remember those scenes. Like yeah. it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I love it. If, if, for those of you that haven't seen it yet, please go back and watch those episodes. Um, I, and I love it because they also included a lot of Jack Kirby's original artwork in the cartoon. Um, but I love the way that it was set up where, okay, you had kind of like the crime syndicate, you had, uh, Orion shows up, uh, you know, you had all these characters that come out, um, before you see, you know, before Darkseid really comes out and before he's even given a voice. And I think that's something I would have liked to have seen in the Justice League movie where maybe, you know, you tease an Orion, maybe you tease the Furies, uh, you know, like, oh my goodness, like. To think like to see the Furies and Steppenwolf and Calabac and all these characters going up against the Justice League and that before you even get to see Darkseid, I, I would have loved to have seen uh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, it's that's that's the way, you know, we have what we have and um, there's nothing really we can do about it. And for me, I tend to be like, you know, OK, that's a shame. You know, I can't be too hard on Snyder for that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we got to move forward and. You know, looking at the last uh, couple of movies that have come out for DC with Aquaman and Shazam, I, I, I think they're on the right track. And I feel it's time to move on, at least for me personally, you know, for the DC fan base. But, you know, if you want to hold out for the Snyder Cut, you know, obviously that's your prerogative. But for me, I'm 
probably going to move on to uh, uh, some of the other things that are coming up. And speaking of which, uh, this, this week there was also a story in Variety in which it was kind of floated around, rumored, if you will, that John Cena is in talks to play a role in Suicide Squad 2, which is being directed by James Gunn. Um, this story came out about midweek, and now there's, and this is, we're recording this on Saturday of Easter weekend, and, and I was looking up the news on this, and it appears that there's some rumors, and they are rumors right now, nothing's confirmed, but that he might be attached to play the role of Peacemaker. Uh, he, he might be attached to play that role, but again, nothing is confirmed. Also, this role was intended for Dave Batista, but scheduling conflicts made that an impossibility so they kind of went to cena for this but again this is all speculation right now it's all rumors uh, nothing is set in stone yet um but i did want to ask you guys what you guys thought about this what do you guys think about john cena being suicide squad 2 and i want to ask you if you guys think that he should play peacemaker or what character would you like to see him play seth let me begin with you my pleasure i won i'm excited at the prospect that john cena's you know finding a foothold in superhero movies. I feel like it's kind of a no-brainer. He's got this great catalog already. He's demonstrated from, I mean, one, it's kind of interesting, but WWE, because of all of its staging in so many ways, it creates this sort of acting chops that many actors relate to soap opera, that you have to be really good in the moment. You have to be... uh, able to do improv you have to be on the spot you have to be able to hold things which those two comparisons made he's already shown that he can hold the attention of an entire arena and a pay-per-view audience whenever he's uh performing as a wrestler and he's already shown that he's got great comedic timing when it Mm -hmm. comes to films like blockers well with that kind of a matchup those are already qualities that have made bautista such a star for guardians of the galaxy so one it seems like a no-brainer for him to join one of these projects. For him to join Suicide Squad makes great because he's such a tough guy that he would be perfect as sort of this, you know, guy who got in trouble and now is doing the dirty work for the government. Peacemaker fits pretty well with that, you know, with this kind of over-the-top law and order concept. And I could definitely see him fitting in there. Although in my mind, uh, I'm kind of wondering if there wouldn't be maybe one or two other characters worth considering. I mean, also because for his size and comedic timing, he could play another character who's not as bright, similar to to what we've seen on the guard, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy side of the Dave Batista side. And also, it has me thinking that because if this was a role Dave Batista was going to play. One of the things he's already set up well is his ability to have comedic timing by being the the, the least brightest bulb in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. by doing that with such effect that that would provide such great opportunities for one, comedic timing, and two, an already built-in kind of audience expectation based on what we've already seen from him. Uh, those are my initial thoughts. Um, Brad, how about you? You know, you hit on just about everything that I was going to say. I'm a jerk um, that he, way. But the, the comedic timing, it, you, right, he's he's great at it. And we see what James Gunn can do with humor. So I think that I think that's a perfect pairing. I think it makes perfect sense. And as Peacemaker, that seems like a perfect fit, uh, you know, as well. Um, as far as any other characters, 
um, you know, it's hard for me to say because there are so many characters that you can draw from for a Suicide Squad movie. So, um, and really, I think the Peacemaker is a pretty, a pretty safe bet at this point. But I think that John Cena himself has proven that he does have the acting chops. He does have the timing. And uh, yeah, I bring it on. <laughs> I, think he, I think he'll not, I think he'll knock it out of the park. Right, especially right. in James Gunn's hands. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, my thoughts on this is uh, I'm definitely you know excited to see John Cena kind of get into the the DC universe and you know I remember uh, I guess yeah it might have been over a year or so ago before they even announced the casting for Shazam. Uh, I remember talking with uh, with Josh and and uh, Shana Lucas, who's uh, the news writer on our team, and talking about how uh, I would love to have seen John Cena as Shazam, um, just because I feel like he can really get away with playing, like you guys said, that that uh, you know, kind of like slightly dumb, maybe not uh, aloof uh, character of, of Shazam, if you will, and then. To set up the possibility of Shazam versus Black Adam with John Cena against The Rock, I, I think would have been epic. Um, but uh, but in terms of uh, <laughs> yeah. Suicide Squad 2, I, I think, you know, I, I, I just want to see John Cena kind of, in you know, stick around for the long term. Because um, I think he's just, a, he is a big name. Uh, and if they want to have him in Peacemaker, maybe expand Peacemaker to be in multiple movies, I think that's great. I just want to see John Cena stick around uh, the DC universe for a bit. Um, that's really my take on it. But, you know, again, you know, he is in talks and nothing is confirmed. You know, it's kind of like the Idris Elba situation. You know, originally he was scheduled to be Deadshot and then now he's going to be playing something else. I think, you know, once they get into that meeting room i think john cena will just take a look at suicide squad and maybe he might not even be in suicide squad but maybe attached to some other role um i'm excited to see uh what he does with that um but yeah but with that said uh um let's let's go ahead and uh, and move on um and we're gonna jump right into it because um, we have a ton of tv news coming at you this week and i the big thing is and i guess the first thing we're gonna start off with is the whole saga of the swamp thing. Anybody? Anybody? No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got us. You got us. All right. It. All, right. all right. Just making sure. Just making sure. I'm trying to find out who the uh, big swamp thing fans uh, out there are. But anyways, um, <laughs> you know, there was a rumor. Well, actually, there was a couple of news stories that came in this week, and there was a lot of rumors and speculation and about the tv show and then all of a sudden it turned into this whole thing with the dc app and there were rumors about that and so you know we took the liberty here at dcn to kind of really dive in into it and to figure out what you know what's what exactly is going on so i'm going to try to break it down for you guys a little bit um and i'm just going to try to run through this real quick but originally the story was that production on the swamp thing had completely stopped and then it was revealed that production was not stopped but rather it was cut and what they mean by that is the tv show the series which is scheduled to be on the dc universe app was a cut from in its original run of 13 episodes down to 10 episodes 
And this was revealed through a news story in the Wilmington, uh, North Carolina area, because I, I think that's that is where they're shooting. So they revealed uh, that. And then that led into speculation that because the show is being cut short, that the DC Universe app was in trouble and it might not be meeting expectations and then they might cancel it. And then next thing you know, they're saying that it might be the that the app is fine, but that it's retooled, it's being retooled because we don't know kind of, you know, with this whole AT&T Time Warner merger, we don't know what kind of new app is in development at the moment that might host all these programs, all this Warner Brothers content, which includes DC Comics, DC Entertainment stuff. And so that's kind of where we are right now. We do know that it's down, it's not completely stopped, but it's from 13 episodes down to 10. And the DCU app is fine for now. Um, and to combat that, the uh, DC Universe did release a teaser trailer that shows our first glimpse of Swamp Thing uh, emerging out of, a, uh, out of the swamp. Um, so, gentlemen, let me ask you guys, and I'll, I'll start off with... Uh, with uh, with Brad this time. Brad, what do you think about this whole saga, if you will? <laughs> I, you know, everybody on the internet likes to think the worst. So everybody was, oh, the DC app's going to close. Oh, no, it's, it's bad news, blah, blah, blah. And I hope, and it looks like it won't be the case for now, but I just really want the app to succeed. So I don't like bad news coming from it mm-hmm. if it goes to some kind of warner streaming service that's fine but i want them still to support the production and i don't want to lose all the other streaming shows that they have for the dc universe because there's just so much there and i haven't had time to go through all of it yet so if it does go to warner i hope they take the whole thing and make like the dc universe part like a whole portal which basically has a lot of the same content um, and as far as the trailer and the Swamp Thing itself, it, it looks like I was expecting it to. I think it fits the tone of what I expected Swamp Thing and the the DC streaming shows in general to have. So it looks good. I would have preferred a 13-episode season. But I think that they, you know, as long as they don't have to cut any of the story itself, I think that they can still tell a pretty compelling story in 10 episodes. But I just really, really want the DC uh, universe app to to succeed so everybody listening go out get a subscription and start watching right and just just to touch on something real quick uh but the the thing is that they, they did announce well some of the uh, showrunners and the people that are working on it um they are upset of, of the fact that it's going from 13 down to 10 um because i guess now they're saying that they're going to have to rewrite the ending to kind of try to wrap everything up um so that's that's a bit of a shame, um, but let's let's go to Seth. Seth, what do you think about about uh, Swamp Thing and everything that's going on here? Well, I definitely feel that with all these different sort of news stories coming out, it's really difficult to get a you know my hands or brain around everything that's going on. Um, one, the trailer just looked great. It reminded me of the old TV show. And I could still catch, I remember being a kid, catching old episodes of that on USA Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had that great sort of ominous quality that didn't feel overproduced. 
you know, the, the shot felt murky and gray as you're sort of trolling through the swamp and going toward the point in the water where Swamp Thing rises out. And it, it felt older in that way, almost like they were relying on technology to put a filter to kind of give it a grainier, older feeling. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I did too. The story, yeah, you know, like it, it, it felt like the old show. Right. And it, it mm-hmm. also kind of like recognized that there was fan base that probably knows that. And then also for the fans of the comics, like it's trying to set up like, OK, we're we're going into that tone the best way we can through the medium. So those all felt like really positive points. Now, the story about it being haunted, haunted, halted. Start a other room. I was like, haunted. I'm good. So far, I haven't butchered any names, but I apparently can't say the word halted without calling it haunted. So I accept that. I accept that. But what I did kind of catch about going through this set was okay, so we've got the story about it stopping, and then we've got the comment from Virginia Madsen like, I'm beyond sad. What a terrible decision. And then this last line really gets to me. We have been cut to the core by those who have never set foot into the swamp. Mm. So that that makes me think immediately, OK, we've got an executive decision going on. And then I really felt that, you know, you sort of teased up some nice things, Joe and Brad. You followed him up with the idea of, OK, well, what we're actually dealing with here are two properties. We're dealing with Warner Brothers and we're dealing with uh, D.C. And a lot of what D.C. has been doing on the D.C. universe has been in-house. So with, you know, the involvement of of Warner on this project and the possibility of maybe moving over to another portal and how much of this content that's on DC universe, because it has time Warner Warner brothers connection would, would move over to that portal. I understand that that might have affected how the length of the show was going to be shot, you know, 10 uh, from 13 down to 10. Maybe that's because they, they were going to introduce characters that were, originally slated for the DC universe, but now they want to make those characters specifically for this other streaming portal. You know what I mean? Like the idea of mm-hmm. usually the, the end of an episode starts introducing, you know, what, what characters are going to play into the story that's either going to come to an end or have sort of a cliffhanger that sets us up for the next season. Right. Yeah. And either one of those ideas coming out would make me think, okay, then they wanted to expand the cast potentially. But if there was a character that they were going to introduce that they now are like, nope, nope, we want this one for ourselves. We're going to do something completely different with this character. Then that that could change it up. But with so much confusion in the air, it's really hard to, to get like a full grasp on the story. And and because of that, I'm I'm a little disappointed that there's so much negativity about the DC Universe app. Like, oh, is it going to fold now? Because all I could think was, are you kidding me? I feel like there's a certain percentage of people that would be more than happy to pay the subscription over and over again just for the back catalog. Just because, you you know what I mean? You can always stream Batman, Batman Returns. You know what I mean? Like all of these great old, the old Superman movies. Yes, yes, and it's all in one location. Thank you. The The entire Batman animated series. So legendary. And Batman Beyond, it's all right there. Not only that, but all the great little shorts. I mean, I I was just watching the Daredevil, or not the Daredevil, uh, the Dead Man ones the other day and just laughing my butt off because they're just so cute and like, you know, two or three minutes and how much fun is that? Yeah. But overall, I don't see this affecting the DC Universe's app ability to continue and move forward. I think this is a really sad thing for a show. And I think it might point to where we're going to see strains between the relationship of DC and, and Warner. 
but this is just kind of how that works out sometimes and they've had a good marriage so far sometimes you're going to have disagreements in a marriage but you still maintain the marriage thing so i feel like this is a relationship that's going to hold brad i feel like you're chomping to jump in there oh i well i was just thinking that i wonder you know that when disney made their announcement you know like a week and a half ago it kind of spooked some people i think because there is so much under that umbrella and correct Warner's maybe looking back and thinking, well, maybe we can capitalize this on a different in a different way and make it more of a Warner centric thing. And, you know, I just don't know if that's necessarily a smart idea, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, Warner has a lot of properties, too, that they can use. And I guess in, in theory, it would be good to spend one price to get everything instead of a you know, five different streaming services for different parts of the Warner company. But no matter what, I'd still, <laughs> I'd still pay for the DC content because it's just, it's so good and there's so much there. Right. I, I think when it comes to the, uh, well, let me start off with this first. Let me start off with the show first. I, I think, you know, I am saying to hear that they're shortening the show, uh, that it's being cut from 13 down to 10 episodes. Um, because I think they were planning on having a whole story arc uh, that takes up 13 episodes. Um, I am kind of, I guess, hesitant to, you know, I guess that's a wrong word. But, you know, if you guys have seen some of the, uh, for example, the uh, Marvel shows on Netflix, a lot of those shows I feel are a bit maybe two or three episodes too long. Um, and I feel that way about a lot of shows on Netflix. I feel like this idea of like, it's gotta be at least 10 episodes, gotta be at least 12 episodes. Yeah, it it kind of hurts sometimes. Um, but in this case, Agree I, with that. I, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. It, again, you know, you want to give people an opportunity to shine and if they had a story for 13 episodes, then give them the opportunity to do so. Um, and, and speak, and, you know, just real quick before, uh, you know, before we move on, you know, speaking about the the, the app itself, um, I I am a big fan of the uh, of the app. I actually got it the day one. Um, I I had my I guess my objections to some of the things. Um, like I really hate the fact that, uh, for example, again, like I'll keep harping on this, but uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Doom Patrol, and I hate having to wait week after week uh, to see it. I would love to just be able to binge oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same thing with Titans. A lot of these shows, like I wish I, I had the opportunity to binge it. I hate waiting uh, for a week between episodes. That's kind of my issue with it. And then also just the uh, the comic book selection uh, was very limited in the beginning. Um, and I mean, very limited. I mean, they had maybe one or two issues of Batman from the new 52. And and I'm like, this is a series. We were already well in a rebirth, and this is like five, six years after these books come out, and they're still not on the app. So I was kind of like, wow, okay. Um, but they've definitely they've added a ton of stuff recently, um, so I'm excited about that. Um, but we'll see. Again, like it, you know, this AT&T Time Warner merger, they have a lot of properties. You remember Warner Brothers? They own Harry Potter. They own hbo which owns game of thrones so the idea of putting like all these properties in a one streaming service i think that was the idea with the merger was being able to come up with something that can compete uh, against uh, disney's offering 
Um, the only way you're going to be able to do it, though, is if they pull all these things. But again, I hope it, whatever it is that there's still kind of like the separate area for DC, if you will. Um, so like you said, it's, it's nice having everything all in one place, all DC, nothing but DC. Um, so, yeah, I hope that, that they do that moving forward. And and speaking of which, just real quick note here. Um, you know, just I'll just uh, share this real quick. But the DCU app is now available on Xbox One. And if you own an Xbox One, you now it's starting today. I think it was since yesterday. Um, you've had the opportunity to put the app on your Xbox. And now you can watch, you know, Doom Patrol. You can watch Batman Beyond. You can read the comics all on the on your big screen tv which i already done i've already tested out i actually like the reader on the xbox one more so than i do on the uh, on the computer um so do you guys real quick do you guys own an xbox one is that something that you guys will prefer to use the app on or uh seth I, real quick oh i don't have an xbox one i've actually just been really thrilled ever since the app moved on to apple tv um okay we went ahead and cut the cord a couple months back and moved to the new, uh, newest version of Apple TV in order to do that. And as soon as I did, and I searched for the DC Universe app, and I was like, "It's there! This is glorious! This mm. is." I mean, the other day, I, I kid you not, I was going back through, uh, you know, uh, Green Arrow, uh, Longbow Hunters, and I was able to read the comic book on my TV, mm-hmm. and that was just the coolest experience. <laughs> like to have this giant screen and just go wait a minute, can I read that comic book? Click, look at that. Click next panel. Oh my goodness. Like it would close in on the dialogue and zoom back out, which was one of my favorite features when they started doing digital comics and they would have the guided viewing. And, and that for me was just lovely. Uh, But no, I don't have the Xbox feature. I can imagine for anyone who's got Xbox that it's a great opportunity now to be able to access the app that way. And Joe, from the way you're describing it, you like it even better than the, uh, the app uh, version that you've seen on the computer. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Brad, do you have an Xbox One? I do, and I'm super excited for this. So actually, probably <laughs> later tonight, I will download it, and nice. set it up. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I said, I, I I already I already downloaded, it. I already tested it out. I I like one of the first things I did was uh you know I got to read uh my Jack Kirby New Gods, um and just again being able to see like what Seth was saying being able to see that artwork on a big screen and just be able to scroll easily with the controller or you can set up the autoplay feature but again it just <clears throat> it fills up the entire screen and it just oh, it looks gorgeous I'm so excited that you know they finally do that because I remember um yeah it was last comic-con I actually got a uh, uh got to go behind the scenes with with uh, with DC and because they were they had a little kind of like a, a room where they were kind of showing off to press you know their app and all its features and and I remember asking specifically about that like you guys are you guys going to be on PlayStation 4 and Xbox and they're like well not at this time you know they were going to be in a bunch of places but they didn't have plans or they were negotiating at the time um, and I guess they still are with, with regards to PS4 because they haven't announced anything. Uh, for PS4 users, but um, they said they were working on it, but they weren't going to have it at launch, and that was kind of a disappointment to me because I use I have both consoles, PS4 and Xbox One, and I use them for pretty much all my streaming uh, stuff. So having Xbox, uh, having DC Universe on Xbox One, you know, can't go wrong with that. Um, 
Gentlemen, at this point, we're going to take a quick break and just so we can have an opportunity to hear from our sponsors. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. All right, and we're back. And gentlemen, we have, you know, some more news with regards to DC TV. And, you know, one of the another big story this week is the series finale of Gotham is upon us. It's going to premiere this coming Thursday, April 25th. And you're going to have to check your local listings to find out what time it's showing in your area. But one of the things, interesting things about this is that there was a promo trailer that was released that kind of reveals a look at the final episode. And the really exciting thing is, if you don't know, is that this episode will take place 10 years past the penultimate episode, the one that just premiered. And it has the first look at Batman. And so you get to see kind of where a lot of the characters are leading up to the series finale, or where they are 10 years later. Um, so that's pretty exciting. So let me start off with Seth. Seth, what did you think about this trailer? Well, as far as trailers go, uh, I thought it was really well done. I thought it set up a lot of great expectation. And for me, the teasers about Batman were perfect, whether it's the shot from the roof looking down where you just go, sort of get to see the back of the, you know, his outfit kind of looking over his right shoulder or the uh, the scene where he's smashing through the glass window and you just sort of get this quick moment of action. All of those were, were great setups. In addition to, I thought a really great teaser for, uh, you know, Catwoman, who we'll get a chance to come back to in a bit. And also just for a lot of other sort of really tense moments for anyone who's been following the storyline, I mean, clearly that moment when uh, <laughs> when Gordon's squaring off with someone who he's been working with for a really long time and, and they're trying to get, you know, confirmation on just one name. Just a lot of great just a lot of great imagery there. And in, in this really cut fashion way that worked really well. And then, of course, you know, the young Bruce Wayne re- returning with this sort of when I come back, this is what I'm going to be doing. And uh, it, I think it bodes really well for a great sort of wrap up. Oh, and um, boy, just uh, that that quick little glimpse of the the Joker sort of hobbling his way to the car. All mm. these moments felt really authentic and really like it was sort of a moment to stop and say, here it is. This is the Gotham that, you know, we've been building you towards. Take a look. And uh, I think it looks good. Brad, what did you think? Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Whoever cuts these trailers for Gotham has been doing a really good job this season uh with what they show and how they show and how they show it and the the angles like you were saying it it felt so batman uh and as a whole story goes with gotham i'm glad that we can end it with actually seeing batman 
And, you know, I'm kind of glad they got to tell the story they wanted to tell, that it didn't get cut out from under them and that didn't feel shoved in at the last minute. Well, we have to show Batman. Uh, so, yeah, I think the trailer looks great. And I think the the series is going to end uh, on a high note. I, expect, I think the episode is going to be really good. Yeah, you know, I can't say uh, I'm not caught up on the Gotham series, but just by watching this trailer, it got me excited. And, you know, I might just check out uh, this episode, you know, as a standalone, just because, again, what you guys have touched on already, the uh, the idea of you get to see Batman, you get to see, uh, you know, Joker, you, that that image of uh, of Penguin putting on his top hat. Uh, it, it's just uh, it's just one of those things where like you just you just can't resist like it it, it doesn't really matter if, if you watch the show or not like you know these characters you know their storylines and you just kind of want to see kind of their you know their the you know this version you know at their full potential you know I guess fully realized if you will that um, I think that's got me really excited but but one thing to keep in mind um, this is also was revealed this week is and i hope i'm getting her name right but it's carmen bicondova um who plays selena kyle on gotham um she released a statement uh kind of a letter to the fans in which she mentions that she will not be in the final episode of gotham this thursday and in fact it is the actress lily simmons who will be playing a uh, an older version of selena kyle um so she's going to be bowing out, and she she's given the full support to Lily Simmons. Um, but again, it's the 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 concept of that time jump. Um, she felt was you know this would be a much uh, better direction for the show to take place. So uh, what do you guys think? You know, we're going to see a, another version of 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 Catwoman, Selena Kyle, uh, an older adult version, if you will. Uh, Brad, what what do you think? I think that it makes sense for her to bow out and. It's nice that she did that gracefully. My and I have no problem with Lily Simmons. My only issue is the fact that she does not look like Carmen very much. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how that's all going to play out in the actual episode. But I just don't know if she has Carmen's look so much. Mm. Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I'm torn about the idea of doing such a great time jump because while you're allowed to see so much more that's you know developed into what we've come to know as gotham as comic book readers and those who have studied it through the eyes of batman now that we're doing this sort of leap forward there's always the challenge of maintaining the continuity with that you know because you can do it you just got to do it well and i think brad brings up an interesting point you know that you're using an, an actress who doesn't appear quite as similar in appearance you would generally want someone who does because that gives that visual feeling of authenticity. But if there's something in the story that can allude to why it is her appearance has changed in some ways or, you know, what experience she had led to that, that that would maybe help in some way. And if not, it's just going to be one of those things where you go, okay, that wasn't the, the deciding part of the casting call, you know, when they were making this casting decision, however, that, visual aesthetic played out it wasn't enough to say no we're not using her and based on the letter clearly um and yes i don't know if you said it correctly or if i'm gonna butcher it as well but the young actress who is playing (laughs) selena uh cameron picandova um Mm. she clearly gushed i mean said that when she met her for the first time she made her cry tears of joy 
and that they wanted to do Selena right, and she really feels that that's what they're doing. So when you get that kind of an endorsement from the actor who's already been playing the character, you know, looking to the person who's going to be sort of putting the final stamp on your performance, if you're willing to give that that much praise, I mean, it could all be a PR thing, but it sounds pretty authentic, then I'm going to feel like, well, there should be enough there in the performance that's going to allow me to buy in and move past the visual. So I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing it in that way and to experiencing that sort of performance that moves me past whatever my initial sort of appearance questions might be. Yeah, and I, to me, I like the idea of a time jump in a sense because we can get the payoff because we've been waiting for five seasons, watching these characters develop and change to become what we know that they're going to become. So being able to see that actually happen is kind of a cool way to have the series end. So it's like a, it's a good payoff. Right. And, and again, I, I think uh, for me who hasn't really caught up on these shows, uh, I, I think it's still, for those that haven't seen it, I think this is still a good opportunity to jump on because you're going to see a new Catwoman. And I'm very curious to see uh, another actress uh, play this role. Um, so, yeah, you know, I hope uh, everybody out there that's listening gets an opportunity, gets a chance and to watch the episode. Um, it is coming out this Thursday, April 25th. Um, I know that's also the day uh, a certain Marvel movie will be coming out, but... You know, if you have some time, you know, give it a shot. Um, but yeah, moving moving along. Um, and I'm gonna give a, you know, before I read the story, um, I'm just gonna say real quick. I'm gonna go to Seth first, and then to Brad, because I know Brad, you kind of touched on uh, your this story really kind of stood out to you. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to anchor and bring us home. But first, uh, let me read the story. It's it, it's regarding why the last man, um, which is. Uh, a Vertigo comic that's being adapted to the television for the FX uh, channel. And we've gotten news this week that the uh, producers uh, have left the uh, the show. They've bowed out over creative differences. Um, but it doesn't mean that the show is canceled. It just says that the producers are moving out. But when producers leave, that usually means that production gets halted or, you know, Things get left up in the air. Um, so, again, they, the producers, uh, I have their names here, Ada, Mashaka, Kroll, and Michael Green have left over creative differences. So let me go to Seth first. What, what did you think about this news, Seth? Yeah, I have to start out by saying it's really confusing. Um, it's really disappointing when FX says they're not moving forward with it. Um, the producers say they're leaving, and then yet somewhere in it, it says, but we're still planning to to move forward in some way. <laughs> we're still moving forward with the series and the current cast, but the producers are leaving. So I'm, I'm kind of just going, what? How is, what? Um, mostly I'm disappointed because it means that whatever momentum was going for this project has now stopped. And I really like what Why the Last Man presents as this great sort of mystery. You know, a boy, a monkey, a mysterious artifact, and then the disappearance of all males on Earth. Um, I don't know how this became such a conflict, but I am intrigued by this sort of um, quote that was in here from mm -hmm. Kroll and Green. This one that said, we hope to reward their talent and their trust, not just with success, 
but with a show that had something to say in a time when things must be said. As Y fan ourselves, we hope the future allows just that. So that definitely feels as though there were messaging or um, parts of the show that weren't jiving with uh, either others on the FX crew or some other body that was looking at what was being, you know, put in front of them and saying, no, we can't greenlight this. Um, or we can greenlight something that as this, this sort of, you know, story we're looking at mentions is more commercial and mainstream. And that sounds like you've just got two very different visions for what kind of a, uh, a show you're looking to create. And if you can't get past those, I mean, at some point someone's going to have to go. And it sounds like in, in this case, They've gotten rid of the producers, but they want to keep the show going and how that's going to actually remain still true to the comic book. I have a lot of questions about, but I, as you mentioned, I'm not the only one on here and I'm not the only one with questions or concerns. All right, Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I absolutely love this story. When it would come out in trades, I would stop what I was doing and I would read it right then and there, practically in the comic shop before I even left the store. I just loved it. And I thought it was paced so perfectly for some kind of live action adaptation. And you're right. It's a bad thing if this moves in a more mainstream direction. If anything, it might even be good if it was a little edgier than fx can even pull off if it was more like on a like a hbo or a showtime kind of situation would work too mm. and i think at heart they don't want to say oh we're not doing anything with it because they want to hold on to the license they want because they know that if it's done well they could have a big hit on their hands so i don't think that they're willing to let it go and i think that i that I just hope that it does not get stuck in development hell. Like, look at Preacher. Preacher was stuck in development hell for almost 20 years before we finally got to see it. And I think this is a story that deserves to be seen by more people. And I just hope that they can they can figure all this out uh, quickly. Because, you know, it, it seemed I was so excited because it seemed like things were getting really underway and the production was really speeding along and it was kind of the wind knocked out of me reading this news so you know i just i hope that they do not go in a mainstream direction and sacrifice certain elements of the story but i do really want to see it get made and i want to see it get made well right it's and, and let me ask you this, since you know you're such a big fan, because I haven't read it, and, and it's completely. I, I've read the first couple of issues. Uh, I've just always been fascinated by that premise of you know one ma- male uh, left on the planet. Um, you know, but one of the things they did touch on here was you know kind of it, it is a politically charged premise. Like even if you know forget the why, the graphic novel part, uh, the idea of a television show of the last male on earth that in and of itself especially in our times is you know can be very very politically charged um with everything that's going on um when i when i read stories like this i think my biggest concern is you know like you said that you can go one way or the other um you can go either too mainstream or maybe you can go too heavy-handed uh with your messaging you know like the the producers say you know there are things that 
the, that they wanted to say and they felt they needed to be said. Um, and I feel like sometimes you can be a bit too heavy handed uh, with that. Uh, for me personally, I feel as though as long as it's true to the material, um, I think that's great. Because at the same time, you don't want to make a TV show that has this premise, but it has nothing to do with why or the graphic novel or what the creators of the graphic novel had originally. So, you know, let me follow up with you, Brad, and just kind of get your thoughts on on, on that aspect. Like, you know, just do you think would you like to see it kind of more true to the graphic novel? Or do you think the premise is so strong that they can kind of lean into more and, you know, kind of make you try to make it more relevant to our times, if you will? You know, I, I think they could stay close to the source material. I think that the premise itself is always, no matter when it comes out, it's probably always going to have some kind of relevance when it comes to, uh, you know, to, to gender and getting along and all that. And I don't, I don't think that, those themes are going anywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that if if they try to be too heavy handed, it'll feel a little dated a few years down the road. Mm. So I think that there can be definitely some universal themes that can be timeless that they can touch on without pulling too many punches from the story and the narrative. Mm, OK. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um Let's go ahead and move right along uh, with uh, some more TV news. Um, Batwoman. Um, Batwoman, it's, it appears, uh, sources are saying that it is a lock for a CW uh, series. Um, the speculation going around right now is that they're already looking to hire writers to write the first season. And, yeah, it's part of, a, I guess there were a lot of announcements this week with regards to the different networks and some of the shows that are picking up. And Batwoman is, looks like it's coming to the CW as a full series. So let me go ahead and start off with, uh, with Seth. Seth, since you're uh, such a big Arrowverse fan, what do you think about this, uh, this news? Well, I'm just really encouraged by the fact that there was a suggestion and then even later in that story, close to a confirmation, as the one person said, um, I, or I'm quoting them, I hear it already has a writing staff in place, which mm-hmm. to me just gives me all the confidence in the world. When you have a writing staff, you can already get a commitment to the story and to building it as quickly as possible and using that to help address any other casting needs you might have developed through that storytelling. Um, I thought the introduction on Arrowverse was very solid. Some parts of it felt, you know, uh, like they were trying as hard as they could. And I thought they were doing a great job of of representing Batwoman, of, of bringing in Miss Kane and trying to build her identity in a very short period of time, which they you know did in the most recent crossover. And knowing now that there's a good writing team that's in place that hopefully can be aware of everything leading up to the opportunity to have this lock in place and then to begin actually building on this story. And if they're keeping that in mind and they're they're holding true to the comic book version and all the challenges with, then one, we're going to have already just a great story. And even if they don't and start to stray, then there's also going to hopefully be this intent from the writing team recognizing that instead of just going, oh, wow, we've got this short window to try and make a story that works. But if they're starting with the story first and then going to be building the casting out of it, I always feel like it's one of those great things that all good movies and really all good shows go they create a bible 
and then they use that Bible to build from. And that story Bible is is how they make all their decisions. And if they can have something like that ready and concrete, then they could really have uh, a great long-term show for the next five to eight years, much like we've seen with other shows in the Arrowverse. So I'm greatly encouraged just by that that one snippet alone. All right. And uh, Brad, what, what, what do you think about this news? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's really cool to see them uh, get that infrastructure in place so they can hit the ground running. And I hope that's what they do. And it looks like, you know, it looks like it's in that direction. Uh, they can get a good, competent story going. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with the character. Uh, and like you were saying, keeping true to the comic because the, the comic is really good. And it's a great, uh, well-sourced material to, to choose from. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to see what the crew can do. I right. Hope yeah. It does end up getting a full season, you know. Right. Right. Of course. Uh, I, I. Yeah. For me, I'm definitely excited to see Batwoman again. I, I'm not too familiar with a lot of the Arrowverse stories, but it appears from what we've seen so far that Batwoman is kind of it's kind of taking a step apart from a, a lot of the CW shows. And I, I mean, I love the character. I. I think um, Batwoman and, and you know Kate. You know, Kate Kane is just—it's just a fascinating character overall. Um, I love reading, uh, you know, her comics, and just always been a big fan. I, I love the uh, the uh, James Tinian run of Detective Comics from a few years ago, uh, with uh, kind of this—you know—you had Batman and and Batwoman kind of you know in charge of a, a superhero team. Um, but with that said, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this show, and I can't wait. I'm definitely one of the TV shows I'm excited for. And, you know, moving along, it, another TV show that's uh, just released a trailer uh, this week for their upcoming season two is Krypton. Um, and, you know, this, yeah, so uh, season two will be coming out pretty soon. And I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on it. Brad, Brad, what did you think about the uh, Krypton season two trailer? I think it looks good. Uh, I think it's, a, uh, it's cool to see Lobo come in to the second season mm-hmm. uh as much as i enjoyed the kind of political backstabbing and the build-up in the first season um there i could have used more action and i don't say that often um but with characters like lobo and doomsday and the whole trailer in general seems like that's what we're headed for so i'm looking forward to the second season and it got a june 12th uh premiere date it looks like so mm-hmm. that's not too far away and i was wondering about that too i thought they might have pushed it back to august so it's good that we don't have to wait as long as i thought we might have to yeah seth what did you think about the trailer i thought the trailer looked great you know um to follow up on brad's points yeah it was great to see lobo it was great to see uh, doomsday um and i'm gonna be honest here i'm behind the the curve here when it comes to krypton i just watched my first episode yesterday of season one and i'm already intrigued and i know that there's going to be a lot of this political backstabbing going on so i'm kind of enjoying that i'm going to be on a bit of a race until june 12th to catch up stream everything through and be ready for season two because what i'm seeing from season two encourages me so much to think wow I'm going to get through this first season just so I can be ready for the second one when it comes out. And just so I can sort of dive in right off fresh from finishing the first season. And it sounds like there's a lot of buildup 
to this second season, which now that all the dominoes in place, we're going to get to start to see him fall. And that can be a really great experience. And with the cast of characters they they gave us snippets of, um, I'm I'm thoroughly intrigued. And and based on what I already experienced from my first viewing of uh, season one, episode one yesterday, I think it's going to be a great season. And the trailer sets it up really nice. All right. Um, just real quick, I wanted to share a quick story. Uh, I think it might have been my first Comic Con two years ago, where I got to sit in on the uh, press room for Supergirl at the time. And I remember I went up to one of the producers, I, I can't remember uh, his name, but I went up to him and kind of, you know, just I had my fanboy moment. And I said, hey, you know what would be great to see on Supergirl? And he's like, what's that? And I said, Lobo. And I was like, think mm-hmm. about it. Because I, char- I love that character. I love Lobo. And seeing him in this trailer just immediately uh, got me excited. It perked up my uh, my ears, if you will. Um very excited to see more of this character and you know just seeing all the villains like that this this version of brainiac is i really love it i i yes. love this version of brainiac it's fantastic it's yeah i think it's it, one of my favorites yeah he, it just it just has such a presence and and again i haven't seen the show but just watching clips of it like watching clips of the character online it, it just it, it he has this presence about him where he really feels like this all-powerful all-knowing uh, character and and just seeing the clips of, of Doomsday, you know, the, you know, Doomsday is getting in there. And like I said, so, you know, hopefully you will have uh, your wish fulfilled there, Brad, with uh, Doomsday, Brainiac, and Lobo again. Like, And I think, the, if I'm not mistaken, Lobo kind of had like a bit of an action, accent, a uh, British accent, maybe like a Cockney accent. I'm not sure I'm going to have to go back and check on that. But, I mean, yeah, sign me up. I definitely looking forward to seeing that and I'll, I'll definitely try to catch up if, if you know if the characters are going to be there stick around for a while um and so moving right along into our last but not least our television story re- with regards to the flash and this coming i believe yes i believe it's this coming tuesday on the cw we're going to have uh godspeed uh come up and if you're not familiar with that character, Godspeed is a, is a fairly new character. He was actually debuted in the Flash Rebirth uh, number one um, by Joshua Williamson and uh, oh God, I'm gonna get the name wrong. Dijaminico. Oh my God, I'm butchering that. Um, but anyway, so, so the, the, that character is gonna be revealed this coming Tuesday. And interesting, the uh, uh, Penna Baker uh, will be directing this episode. And it appears as though, you know, B.D. Wong, who some of you will recognize from Law & Order, will be playing Godspeed. So that seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. So let me go with you, Seth. Well, what do you think about uh, Godspeed and, you know, finally arriving on The Flash? I think it's about time. I think mm-hmm. there's been a good amount of hype and buildup and intrigue. I think that along the way, we've had the chance to see so many of The Flash's most challenging uh, nemeses, whether you're going with your version of Reverse Flash, whether it was Zoom, uh, whether it was Savitar, each one pushed and challenged Barry. And Godspeed, of course, when he was created, presented this whole new challenge, this idea of being able to separate a speedster from the speed force and then potentially, you know, kill them in the process. And, And it leads to this just huge challenge that... I think the show can really address well, which is what is a character like if they 
survive that process what's a character like without their speed and what's a character like when they're dealing with others who are suffering through that same thing or when the threat is so severe you know to separate a speedster from their speed force is like their life force in so many ways um and so the opportunity to take what's been done in comics and use what they can in television to, to craft a, a great story one, they've got a great villain to do it, and they've got a lot of different ways that they can use and work with this idea of separating from the speed force. And then also with how they can portray that force. I mean, one of the things that I think is really so powerful is that now that the speed force has become something more than just the place where speed comes from. It's also a place that speedsters can go into. And also, interestingly, it's this thing that now has its own language through the daughter and Tom Cavanaugh. We now have this like speed force language. So it's becoming more and more of this thing where, you know, it's almost like air or like atoms. They make up everything. It's mm -hmm. just about knowing how to look for them or knowing how to understand how they affect everything. And the possibilities available when you start looking at the speed force this way in which they can continue to do so now with Godspeed just creates a, a lot of great and entertaining possibility for the characters, for the cast, and most importantly for the viewers who are saying, how can you make me feel that same sort of dread or powerlessness that Godspeed was able to do in the comics on the screen? And I think they've done it successfully in the past, so I'm just really excited and intrigued to see the different ways that they're going to attempt that when it comes to uh, the TV show itself and how they're going to represent Godspeed and, and how they're going to make his powers and effect on the team you know, be as powerful and effective as they were in the comics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Brad, what do, you, what do you think about Godspeed finally coming to the Flash? Yeah, I agree. I think it is is about time. And I like the fact that he's a newer character uh, mm -hmm. getting some exposure. I think that's kind of necessary and you're absolutely right that there's so many cool things they can do from a storytelling standpoint with the speed force uh kind of evolving the way it has uh i, I think it's the perfect time to bring godspeed uh so i'm also a little bit behind on the flash but knowing that godspeed is going to be part of it now I, I i'm more excited to get caught up to uh to see how it all shakes out when he does show up right let, let me ask you guys this and this is this is for either one of you um so you you know seth kind of touched on godspeed and and his powers of being able to take away uh the speed force do you think and this is obviously uh fan theories here but do you think you'll see godspeed kind of take powers away from some of the other characters on the flash because you know it does seem like there's uh you know there tends to be a lot of uh speedsters on it, but do you think that's something you can see kind of in the uh, the upcoming run of the show? I think so. That'll be interesting. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I'm curious because bringing that up, I mean, that's one of actually the the key parts of Cicada is his ability to nullify the different power sets of heroes, except for I think Killer Frost. Right, she's the only one whose power set isn't affected by him. Right. With his dagger, he's able to nullify uh, the metahuman capabilities of other heroes on the show. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, like showing that again through Godspeed, I think might be a challenge, but showing it only affect the speedsters and allowing the other metahumans to sort of be the support staff or the uh, the, the sort of 
heroes to step up in their stead when mm. you know the speedsters can't step up that could really provide some great stuff because we've really seen that one cisco can step up killer frost too has an amazing potential with her skill set and elongated man actually hasn't done a lot of action in the past five or six episodes um mm. there was a time where they were kind of building in like getting him to understand what it means to be a superhero and putting him in roles or situations where he had to take on the superhero role in order to kind of do the right thing. And that hasn't been as much of the storytelling. So the chance to sort of move the A-list to the back and have, you know, the support staff, who's usually part of Team Flash, step up and, and sort of, you know, play the major role for an episode or two, it'd be a great way to also further some of those storylines that I feel like, are really strong with them, but we also haven't seen as prevalent in the show. Um, I don't know how anybody else feels about that, um, but that's just my initial response to that idea. Hmm. Um, and I would also love to go on about Daniel uh, Panabaker. I love the idea that she's directing, just to throw that out there if anyone else wants to. I love it when the actors get involved. I feel like at some point, when you've got enough experience doing something, you look at what the guy is who's or the person who is who's sort of in charge and yeah. you start thinking about the decisions they're making and the way you do it if it was you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, right. oh, that's yeah. great. But yeah. I would have done it maybe this way. And if you tell them and they say, oh, that's a cool idea. I, I wish I thought of that it's like, oh, well, 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 what happens if I get a shot in that chair? Now that she is, I think there's a great opportunity to sort of maybe see this story through a, a different lens and maybe with some filters to point out some things that that can make it either a little bit more fun or a little bit more insightful. And I also enjoy that she brings up this idea of learning this language and how she's, you know, like using that as part of her first time behind the camera. So I, I was really intrigued by that. Um, and I just wanted to see if anyone else had had caught up or, or wanted to add anything regarding her yeah i think that's i would be fun to watch her you know it's because she has a different perspective than if she wasn't acting on the show mm -hmm. you know i were saying how how i would do it if i was you know so i want to i i really want to see what she has to bring to the game you know bring to the whole show um yeah i'm, I'm kind of excited for that yeah right on yeah this is this is it's really interesting i'm glad you guys uh uh, share that um curious to see what happens moving forward and um and with that you know we're gonna gentlemen we're gonna go ahead and move on into our comic book news and again we know we've talked about movies and television and a lot of these things are based on the comics they come from the comics comics are very important to us here and we have a one news story uh this week it's a bit of a slow week but it is very important it's a big one if you followed the career of tom king and if you're a big fan of his work and tom king has revealed that he will be working on a another limited series another 12 issue series and he hasn't said what it's going to be about or even which publishing company is going to get it um tom king does have a history with marvel with dc and vertigo um, so we don't know which way he's going, but again, he's written some really, just really awesome work, an Eisner winning work. Um, he's He's been nominated for his work on Vision, um, for Sheriff of Babylon, and of course he won Best Writer last year for Mr. Miracle, um, his, his collaborative effort with his uh, teammate Mitch Gerards there. Um, so I'm going to start off with Brad first and Brad. So what, what do you think about this 
uh, upcoming series from Tom King. What do you think it might be? And, you know, what are your thoughts? Uh, I love Tom King's works. Uh, and Mr. Miracle seemed to be a perfect character for him. So when the first series came out, I was like, a oh, perfect fit. I can't wait to read it. And I loved it. And I can't wait to see what he does uh, with this next series. This will probably be one of the more anticipated comics coming out, uh, you know, soon. So I, I can't wait. And who knows what it's going to be about, really, with Tom King. You never know. Uh, so I just, I, yeah, I'm very excited. I can't wait. He's brilliant, and his take on the character is brilliant. So I'm absolutely excited. All right. Then, so, Seth, what do you think? What, what, what could Tom King possibly be working on here? <laughs> That's a really hard uh, thing to to answer. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like there are such a great list of characters. The one thing that I'm most intrigued by is that, um, and I'm a little disappointed in myself for not having read Vision yet because it's been on my list and after admitting now that I want to and I haven't, I might be compelled to just start reading it and get it out of the way. I believe it. Um, And what I love about that character and also what I saw in Mr. Miracle is in many ways, they're both about characters and their identity, which is a dual identity. You know, the idea of vision trying to be as much of a man as possible yet being originally created synthetic. And also for Mr. Miracle with this idea of being this like, I mean, my goodness, a soldier, uh, a former, you know, member of this terrible place, which is Apocalypse and having escaped it. And also what it's like to try and marry that to this very confusing modern time that we live in and what that would look like for somebody if they were trying to do that in the present day. But then also this very dissociation quality or dissociative quality that comes from, I really feel Tom King's relationship to writing and what his experiences were when, you know, he was serving overseas. And that that sort of disconnect when you've experienced a whole other type of living in a whole other world by by living as he did overseas and in that conflict. And then to come back here with that sort of, well, now I'm trying to just fit in, right? And I'm just trying to, like, find my way in this world, which is so completely different from anything I've been a part of and which still feels so very foreign. And that was something that I loved about both of those characters is that's something he could really sink into. And I loved in an interview not too long ago about Mr. Miracle. Uh, He was talking with another writer and he just said, man, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes in order to actually, like, do something that I believe in, I have to go so much further inside of myself in order to to kind of pull something out that I know that will connect enough with fans and keeping that in mind, I feel like there are a lot of great characters that I would probably feel like an idiot for not naming. But once I heard their names would think to myself, you know, yeah, there's another character that probably has a question about identity and is looking for a way to fit into a world that they feel so separated from by whatever the circumstances are that cause that separation and his ability to do it so masterfully most recently with Mr. Miracle only gives me this sense of like encouragement and and possibility with him that he could take even the smallest character that he could take Admiral Whiskers from Doom Patrol and craft a 12 issue thing that would make me go oh my god Admiral Whiskers is the entire effing, you know, DC universe. Admiral Whiskers has been a part of everything from the beginning. And Tom King just showed me, you know what I mean? And I really feel like any character he picks up 
it's going to be one that he can approach from that understanding of, I know what it's like to go away and come back and to come back feeling different, even though I look like everybody else, even though I'm supposed to be like everybody else. But that's not how I feel. And that's not how I interact with the world. And I really feel that his ability to create that authenticity within his characters by drawing on his own authentic experiences gives him a weight and gravity in his writing and storytelling that makes it an obvious nod for Eisner, but also challenges superhero comics to do what superhero comics hasn't always done in which some of the more independent comics have been known for. And he's saying, why does it just have to be these independent titles? Why can't we talk about these same issues in popular titles in superhero spandex characters? And with Mr. Miracle, he did it in spades. And I was just so impressed and pleased that a character who in many ways was kind of like part of the comedic structure of the JLA and JLE that I read back in the early 90s and, you know, the old days when he was just part of that fun thing with with Barta just being kind of silly and Oberon just sort of like running around crazy with the cigars. Now, instead, it it felt so heartfelt that I thought to myself, I love both of these versions of this character and for all of the reasons that make them so specific to the writer telling their story. And that's, that's my little rant. That's my little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. To... Of course. I, I would say that you're very right in the fact that main uh, superhero books, you know, these big characters lately haven't really delved too deep. And I think it's been ever since the rise of the superhero movie as a billion-dollar blockbuster. Uh, It's kind of the writing in these books. And it's not bad, but it's more to these big action set pieces. And it's nice that writers like uh, Tom King can take a character like Mr. Miracle and dig a little deeper. And because that's, you know, when I, I grew up in the age of Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns, when the whole medium was kind of growing up. And it's good to see a return to a little bit of that. As much as I love the, you know, the big tent poles, it's 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 nice to see something that uh, digs below the surface. No, you know, hey, Brad, I'm glad you mentioned that because you know, as soon as you said the digging in deeper, I'm reminded of the current run of Heroes in Crisis. Uh, yeah. It's it's kind of you know, again, it's another attempt to really dive into the psychology of uh of you know superheroes and what it means and what their lives are like and kind of like the internal struggles um of of what it's like to be you know having to bear all these things like you know every week you got to go out and save the world you know and that 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 takes its toll um yeah so i i'm thinking it's probably going to be something along those lines of you know some sort of you know just a, a deep dive into kind of the human psyche of uh, of superheroes um the story i mean i mean the story the the article didn't mention anything about if he was going to work with mitch Gerard or not um so there's that take that for, for what it is i mean he could still might be working together but who knows um but yeah i, I i'm i'm a big fan of, of of tom king um i'm sorry were you gonna say something there or no. <laughs> oh, I was just going to add in the idea that, uh, you know, that you're, what you're pointing to is yet another Tom King example, though, with Heroes in Crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's another one where we're seeing him take these characters and ask some really hard questions and really probe beneath the surface. And mm-hmm. Brad, I agree. Uh, you know, I really feel like at times we're. We're willing to not 
push for that because we just like that there's this great success mentality that, you know, we've seen this great rise of the superhero movies and we've been able to tell these great epic stories in which the characters are winning and they're finding all these great ways to do it. And the challenges seem to get more and more, you know, insurmountable. And yet they do. But there's a cost. And having King come back around to these different characters and I think Heroes in Crisis is another great example and saying, okay, but what's that cost like afterwards? You know, and I really also enjoy that he's touching on this question that I feel that, you know, in many ways, superheroes are almost all about, which is this like PTSD idea that can you imagine what it's like to get superpowers? (laughs) Can you imagine how traumatic that it is to suddenly know that you have to be so conscious about what you're doing? Because if you're that powerful, you could destroy everyone you love, everything around you, potentially. And also what it's like to then use those powers in such a destructive or world-changing way. And then afterwards, cope with it, you know, because there's a cost, you know, to, to pushing yourself that far. And these heroes in so many ways do it for us all the time. And only recently has been there that question of, well, what's that toll look like? And what happens when it goes bad? And the fact that we're willing to do that every once in a while and stop just saying, hey, let's just go for the big cheer and the pole moment and the, the big aha and the knockout punch and stop and say, OK, in the quiet moments, you know, what did that what did that mean? Where's the value? Not only before, but more importantly, after it in between. Um, and I think you guys are touching on some really great points there. Yeah. All right. Well. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what's coming up. And uh, just as, as we start to wrap up, there's one more story uh, that that's, uh, came out this week. Um, and if you guys remember, it, it was uh, back when we, re- when we relaunched the uh, podcast back with uh, episode 13. Um, one of the stories there was about this uh, DC Lucha Explosiva uh, line of toys that were coming out. And uh, if you guys remember, it was a kind of a series of action figures of, uh, you know, Batman, Superman, Metallo, Wonder Woman, uh, Deathstroke and Cheetah, um, but kind of a different spin on their look, kind of a more uh, like Lucha Libre uh, look, um, you know, attached to the characters. But unfortunately, we got some bad news and it it appears that DC is canceling orders for this toy line. Um, so that's unfortunate to hear. And uh, just real quick, wanted to get your your thoughts on the the toy line. Uh, Seth, do you have any thoughts on this story? I am so bummed. I'm completely annoyed. I remember that episode. I remember mm-hmm. when all of us were talking about it because that was the one where we took a moment and we're like, "Hey, Brad, you were at the toy fair, right? Right. right. Tell yeah. us all about it." And you that were was able the to favorite sort of... thing that I saw there. Yeah. Yeah, and I loved your excitement and enthusiasm because then the way it fed into Joe, who had I, I think you'd already either seen some Im- images or something like that because you I were had just able seen to it there. On it. Yeah, and I'm like, crap, why wasn't I there? I wanted to see this stuff. And then when I finally did see the images, I thought, oh, how cool, how yeah. much fun. I already saw like a cartoon show and all kinds of other things coming out of this. And now this story just really it's just a punch in the gut. I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, you've got something that, all right, maybe we're not the full polling, you know, selection that you're using when you're making these decisions, but hi, there were like three or four of us on a conversation not too long ago praising this. So if there's even a small percentage of listeners who agree with us, 
why are you doing this to us and why don't you like us anymore? No, I, I'm not going to go that far, but I'm really just disheartened. And I'm not going to lie. I immediately just now thinking about it, remember that the story said they're selling them still on Amazon. And I just clicked open a tab for Amazon so I can try and find one or two of these and buy them before they're completely gone. Because yeah. if I can still score it on there, money. I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, as soon as I, I heard the story, that's exactly what it took me back to is the conversation that we had on that first podcast when it relaunched because out of all the things we talked about that that's the the story that everybody was passionate about everybody loved it and everybody exactly. had their own piece to add to it so we couldn't be the only ones that were excited about these so i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are bummed and it was you know one of the favorite things that i saw at toy fair this year so you know i i i I, if we like i said like if we had that reaction there had to have been a lot of people who had that reaction so you know i would say if you get those on amazon now if they're still selling it because you know at the yeah well i'm I'm gonna tell you collectible (laughs) i hopped right on to peak and they're still showing them in fact you know the sinestro core the batman one uh, Deathstroke with the denim Batman chair, which yeah. when you described it to yeah. me was the coolest idea with yeah. the batteries yeah. sticking out yeah. and everything. <laughs> yeah, they're here, and I'm just gonna tell everybody listening, I'm buying them. Okay, yeah. I'm buying them. You should order some too. <laughs> they're all gone. Seth is buying them all. Yeah, I'm buying them all. <laughs> look, better come look to me. Money, ben. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm your gold mine. Uh, and then if, you, if, if you listen very closely, you can actually you could actually hear Steve yelling all the way from London yeah, about right. when you heard about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would have. Yeah, he, he was so excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. he's such a Batman fan, so he was he was really really psyched. Yeah, well, with that and how cool Batman looks in this, I mean, how can yeah. you not be? It's yeah, it's just right. such a great uh, it's such a great concept, and to see it, you know completed it's such a great thing to look at i don't understand i'm just waiting for some dc exec to come in and explain it can i get an explanation please i would like an yeah. official letter you know yeah. I, i'm hoping they can at least maybe just give us maybe like a 12 issue run of of you know limited run of, of these characters or you know maybe like an alternate take or you know whatever like i'd love to see these characters like on a page okay. or maybe that'll drum up kind of uh you know, support for the toy line. You know, once they see it in a comic book, now the kids are gonna want to go out and buy. And yeah. I'd love to see that. But, but yeah, it, it's 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 funny. Like now, now I'm getting all nostalgic because that was kind of our our first episode was when we relaunched. That was the that was one of the stories that at least that I remember well mm-hmm. from yeah. from from that podcast. And uh, oh, look it was such a great now. discussion. That was such a great time, and we were yeah. having so much fun on that one. And, uh, you know, and that just actually makes me ask really quick before we let this topic go. Does anybody know if this was in collaboration with someone, you know, with the DC? Because, you know, when you look at them online, it says DC Collectibles on the Amazon uh, webpage. And I didn't see a partnership, but were they partnered with somebody who might have felt they need to take this in-house in some way? Or maybe that led mm-hmm. to a production complication? Because Not that I know of. I'm yeah, trying to look at what the logistics might have been behind it, and well, maybe at least a designer. Like, I'd love to know who who the actual designer at DC Collectibles go. is. You know? Yeah. No, that's another one as well because 
really it's with some of these it's almost like you can piece the clues together and it just sort of like oh okay well like we were talking about with the idea of swamp thing stopping you know what's the reasoning behind it is it because of moving it over to a warner portal is it because of some other decision down the line um i'm hoping that with these that it's something like that where it's just a logistics thing and they're going to be available some other way and that it'll be because they had to follow plotline ABC instead of ABD, which was the original plan and created some sort of complication. That's that's my only sort of like future thought on that. All right. All right, gentlemen, I think that's that about wraps it up for for the news. Um, but before we go, I, I did kind of wanted to just give you guys an opportunity to kind of let us know what. Uh, what you're consuming at the moment, whether it's a movie, TV, comic, kind of what are you consuming in the uh, DC universe? And um, let me go ahead and start with uh, Brad. Brad, what are you uh, what are you enjoying this this past week? Uh, well, when Steve and I did the show together a few weeks ago, we were talking. He he said you have to go out and read Justice League Dark. Oh, do yes. it. It's so good. Yes. So I the next day <laughs> I went out and I picked that up and I loved it. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the 90s Vertigo that I love so much. Mm. Um, the the pacing and just the look of different characters like Mr. Upside Down looks like you could have stepped right out of a Books of Magic or Sandman comic or something like that from you know from from the 90s so i love that and he also mentioned that um the batman the detective comics uh deuce ex machina volume was kind of like a almost like a prequel to it because it dealt with batman and uh zartana so i picked that up in reading that and uh recently discovered a youtube channel uh comics explained Mm. and um guy yeah a guy named rob he just goes really into i don't know if you guys are familiar with it but he goes really yeah, into he, detail he does, on stories he, he does like these hour-long discussions right yeah, like really yeah. really long and yeah. i he's he's great he just really for some reason just captures my attention and uh i listened to his take on infinite crisis so i'm rereading infinite crisis right now uh, really enjoying it because I don't think I've read that since it came out and that was like you know, 2005 or 2006 so I'm enjoying that as well so that's right. what I've been that's what I've been up to all right and, and the Seth what do you what are you consuming what are you enjoying this this week uh let's see I've been enjoying well quite a few actually um I've been digging into the Naomi story. I've been really having a lot of fun keeping up with that. Somebody else's too. Yeah. 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 And uh, I have to echo you on Justice League Dark. I actually got to do the review for the uh, volume one uh, trade paperback that they did recently Mm -hmm. for Justice League Dark. And that was my introduction to it. And I really enjoyed it. I, I, I really felt like they set up all the things that you want. I think when you talk about magic, you have to talk about it in a way of understanding and magic is one of those things it's like it's like water it's all about ripples you know no no movement or action is without cost or reaction and uh that's a great that's a great book man i'm really glad that that steve turned you on to that when i was reading when i was listening to you guys talk about it i was like ah steve another convert well done sir well done Um, (laughs) but yeah for myself i'm really enjoying naomi i think it's a great mystery and uh it's actually uh 
I'll let it slip here. Uh, it's one of the books I included for the most recent Spinner Rack for Spinner Rack number five. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that I gave behind that is the reason I'll give now. What Naomi does so well is it it leads you on the expectations kind of through the eyes of Naomi, and then it pulls you away from those. It keeps saying, no, it could be really easy to just say, yeah, this is how things are. This is who your parents are. This is, you know, sort of who you are. And instead it keeps going, no, this is how we played a role in it, but we're not who you think we are. We're just the people Mm -hmm. who came into this part of your story. And continuing a mystery in that way is, is really refreshing because it denies all your expectations and it forces you to ask, well, what is it? Well, come on, man. I've already guessed all the top 10 options. You're, you're, right. you're doing something else here. And I, I love a story with a mystery like that. Um, it's something that I, I think is really engaging. You know, it sounds like uh, you agree, Brad. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've been singing the praises of Naomi for a while now, and I'm glad that other people are catching on because it didn't seem like it was making that much of a uh, – uh, speaking of ripples, that much of a ripple, you know, in just coverage and, and things like that. Not a lot of people were talking about it. Yeah, it so, still feels like a quiet story, but I feel yeah. like once it breaks through, everybody's going to stop, and all the people who are on are going to be like, that's right, we've been telling you, you weren't <laughs> listening, and yeah. you know, everybody who's been reading along up to this point is going to be like, yep, should have been paying attention, but trying to tell you all, yeah, thought like you I, knew. <laughs> yeah, I kind of keep thinking in my head that I want it to be one of those books that, you know, maybe a year, two years down the line, there's this big DC event, and you can say, look, the seeds were planted way back in Naomi. Exactly. That's kind of of what I'm hoping for with with this book, trying to pay attention to details. Um, And then just as far as other books, I just read uh, Justice League 22. And without, you know, doing any kind of spoilers in there, I I really just felt that what it did was fill in a lot of details that there's all these terms that we all love to talk about. Multiverse and uh, Mm -hmm. the monitor and the anti-monitor. But without a lot of content being written about them, it's just sort of like we know them based on how we've seen them and what we can interpret based on that alone. And this is a lot more of the deeper storytelling that sort of fills in exactly who these different major characters that have existed in DC um, history and in these kind of monumental events. And I really think that's a great introduction. And then just on the television side, I mentioned I'm watching, uh, you know, Krypton season one and I started episode one. But also I just finished the Umbrella Academy and I was, yeah, I was thoroughly (laughs) intrigued. I've been watching Deadly Class, too, and I'm going at a slower pace because I'm watching that with my wife. So we watch it together. But I said I'd pick up Umbrella Academy and just do the first watch through. And I was really just really pleased with the whole process not only the introduction but the production it even took a little bit from flash by stealing time on one day and doing some other like turning back events um and that's been a really enjoyable you know really enjoyable series for me brad i'm hearing some echoes again yeah yeah i just because uh yeah i absolutely loved uh, umbrella academy that's one of my favorite tv shows this year Mm. so far uh and you know when the comic was out I didn't pay that much attention to it. Same. And I didn't I didn't expect the show to be that good, but the you know, it just I was just blown away. And I think when something exceeds my expectations so much that it just makes me like it even that much more. So and they confirmed a second season, so yes. Exactly. And also this kind of pointed me back to those titles like Naomi. Like it made me think to myself, you know, I didn't give this enough credit when it was out. 
And I yes. should have. And with Naomi, I'm not missing this this time around. This time yeah. around, I'm in early and I'm staying on until I see where this goes. <laughs> yeah. And nice. it's kind of fun to tie yeah. those two together in that way because I, I feel like they're both doing something very quiet. And yet I've heard this said about a lot of other great projects. When someone's doing something that quiet, oftentimes it can be because it's that powerful. And I'm getting that sensation from Naomi, much like I did from Umbrella Academy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Joe, what, what are you what are you reading right now, man? Well, first of all, I just thank you guys for, for sharing those things. I think uh, sure. you got a lot of people. That are listening. I hope they, they go out and ch- and you know follow up on your recommendations. Um, for me, I think uh, just real quick, TV wise, again, I I'm catching up on Doom Patrol. I I absolutely adore that show. I might even argue that it's the best uh, superhero TV show I've seen. I just really enjoy. The, I, I love the characters. I love the actors. I love the performances. I love how you know the villains great. I love how kind of just everybody just does such a great job on that show. And again, that's why I'm so frustrated when it's only, I have to wait a week in between episodes. Uh, that's a bit, uh, you, you know, it's just a bit frustrating, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and also I want to give a quick shout out to another show that's on Netflix. Uh, Cause I, I adore this show and it's the uh, Sabrina uh, remake that's on Netflix right now. Um, I'm a bit, I was a big fan of, you know, growing up as a kid of the uh, Sabrina that was on kind of like the it's kind of like the PG version back that was on uh, ABC. Um, but this version is not PG. This version is definitely. Yes. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot darker, but in a good it's, way. And it, it's just fantastic. I, yeah. I really adore it. Brad, you guys say something about it? Or? Yeah, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because my wife watched it mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, you got to watch this. So just earlier today. I, before the podcast, I started watching the second episode because at uh, at New York Comic Con this year, they played the entire first episode. So we got to see that mm-hmm. and I liked it. But, yeah, I am really surprised how dark they go with it sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's very like it's very interesting take. Yeah, there's there's wow. death and there's there's witches and then there's satanic imagery and it's 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 yeah, really and, cool and from but what it, i can see so far there's a lot of moral ambiguity in sabrina herself which is which is kind of fascinating right she, she's kind of a bit of an ingenue if a, a little yeah. bit but uh but again like, you know i don't want to spoil anything but it does really you, you think it's going one way for a while and but then it kind of like switches things up um but yeah i, I highly recommend that show and then one thing i do wanted to mention um because actually I, it's been sitting here on my desk for a while but i don't know if you guys are familiar with these books but they're the um i was actually recommend i follow alex sinclair uh the colorist i follow him on instagram and he was asked by somebody if there's any books on coloring that he really enjoyed and he recommended uh, this book called the dc comics guide to coloring and lettering um i don't know if you guys are familiar with these dc comics guide books um i'm not it's actually, it's actually a series of books i bought there's one on visual storytelling there's one specifically dedicated to penciling, another one to inking, and another one to coloring and lettering. And then there's maybe one or two more that I haven't picked up yet. But I've kind of been jumping back and forth between these books um, just because, you know, I'm not, I'm not an artist or anything like that. But I am kind of just trying to appreciate the, the art form of, you know, of, of visual storytelling of graphic novels and comic books a little bit more. So... You know, again, just, I think the penciling book, I have it here, it's written by Klaus Janssen. He did both the penciling and the inking book. And he really dives into kind of like 
the basics of, of, you know, of form and anatomy and panel construction. And, you know, Mark Chiarello does the coloring and Todd Klein does the lettering on this other book. But I find myself just ju- jumping back and forth between these books um, just because I'm just trying to get a better understanding of like kind of like these rules that exist. And obviously they don't they're not always followed, but it's one of those things where like you got to know the rule before you can break it. Um, and so I, I've just been. Yeah, I've been just really enjoying it. I, I find myself reading these books more than the actual comic books themselves just because it's teaching me so much. And uh, I got to say, for me, it's really helping me kind of develop my eye. And, you know, there's certain things that I, you know, catch now. Um, and it's, it's just helping me really appreciate the art form more. So, I mean, you can go on you can go on Amazon. That's where I got them, the DC Comics Guide, too. And again, there's there's a bunch of different subjects there. Um, highly recommend it if you're just learning, wanting to, if you're into just writing your own books or creating your own books or just appreciating, you know, comics in general. So, yeah, I guess. Nice. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Highly yeah. recommend it. Um, so, gentlemen, with that, uh, we're going to uh, wrap up this show. And uh, let me just say that, um, first of all, uh, DC Comics News is now on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, so please head over and subscribe to the podcast. And again, rate and review us. Let us know what you think. You love it, hate it, things you'd like to see. Always appreciative. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and on YouTube. And that's at DC Comics News. And uh, gentlemen, uh, just first of all, I just I want to thank the listeners for listening. Uh, I want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Josh, who uh, kind of helps us put. He he really does. He puts the show together, um, puts the news stories together, and then he edits the show. So a big thank you to our editor in chief, Josh Rayner. Um, and thank, thank you, Josh. gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, and uh, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. And uh, uh, where can people find you online, uh, Seth? Where can people find you? Well, the one thing that I love talking about is the fact that I also get to do uh, the Spinner Rack podcast. You mentioned at the Mm -hmm. beginning of this uh, once a week. So please subscribe to DC Comics News Podcast, and you can also listen to the Spinner Rack. And then for anywhere you can find me, type in Seth Singleton and the word storyteller, and you should be able to find most of my links um, on Twitter at One More Singleton, but really just Seth Singleton and storyteller. And you'll find just about every other way to find me. And when you do, say hi. All right. Uh, thank you for that. And Brad, where, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, writing news and reviews on DC Comics News. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FlickyB1, F I L I C K Y B, and the number one. Although I don't tweet as much as I should, I'm I'm trying to change that. So uh, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. And as always, read more comics. Thank you, folks. Bye-bye.